0: hello everyone and welcome to this latest episode of the bull and the bear podcast I, I'm your host and money and research analyst Matt Clark i glad, uh, glad you're with us again uh, on uh, on the to end the week uh, been an interesting week on Wall Street we'll'll we'll talk about that in, in other in other venues but first I want to kind of clear things uh, get the housekeeping stuff aside if you are uh, watching this on YouTube uh, would encourage you to uh, check us out as a podcast you can do so Uh, by going and following us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and we're working on getting on Amazon, which means you'll be able to uh, use your Alexa-connected devices and speakers to listen to us. Uh, If you do that, make sure you do follow us. Uh, Do subscribe to the podcast. And if there is an option to be alerted when we release a new podcast, I would highly encourage you to do so, Um, just simply because we usually put the podcast up before we put them on our Money Markets website. So you kind of get an insider take. You get that information uh, before, uh, before anyone else does. So it's a good idea. Uh, we don't usually bog you down with a ton of notifications or things like that. So, uh, it, it's a good idea. Conversely, if you are watching, if you are listening to us on uh, on, on one of those podcast channels and you want to see a video of, of the podcast, we can do that. We do that as well. You can just go to youtube.com and uh, type in money and markets. You'll find our green, uh, our green logo there. Same thing applies, hit subscribe. And I think there's a little bell that comes up. And if you click that bell, you can get uh, notified every time we release a new video. Uh, not only the bull and the bear, but our money and markets week ahead, as well as the marijuana market update, uh, and anything else that we, uh, that, any other videos that we produce, you can get alerted right away. And usually, again, they come out, they come out on YouTube before they come out on our website. So kind of an insider thing if you have a comment question uh anything like that uh make sure by the way leave a review on the either podcast or uh, on youtube uh, or a comment on either of those we'd love to see your feedback but if you do have a particular comment or maybe a question or a particular sector or stock you'd like us to look at uh this is wildly popular with uh, our marijuana market update the viewers so encourage you to do the same uh you can email us it's the bull and bear at moneyandmarkets.com the bull and bear at moneyandmarkets.com com will uh Get that feedback to us. We'd love to hear what you have to think uh, and have to say. And, uh, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's always great to get feedback. I always like to hear what, what readers and, and, and viewers have to say. Also, check out moneymarkets.com every day, uh, putting up new uh, safe and profitable investment uh, information for you uh, up on that website. So uh, to jump right in, um, uh, here in a bit, I will bring in uh, Money and Markets Chief Investment Strategist, Adam O'Dell, as well as contributor, Charles Sizemore. Uh, but, but to kind of lead into what we're going to talk about today, uh, this sector has been all the rage, uh, and has been all the rage for quite some time. Um, and and it, it's powered at least one index to all-time highs, uh, and that it was even during a coronavirus crash back in March. Um, but the biggest issue here, uh, the biggest thing that, that is going around in investors' minds and analysts' minds is, does that, that raid, that surge, is it sustainable? Uh, and of course, what I'm talking about is is technology stocks, and 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 this has been the buoy to uh, the market, uh, uh, especially during the coronavirus crash and even before. Valuations uh, are continuing to skyrocket across the market, even as the economy falters uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic, lockdowns around the world. We've even seen data that uh, you know the economy in Euro European economy is is starting to to slip significantly. Um, you know, and, and so it's. It's just interesting that if you look at the S&P 500 technology sector uh, ETF, it it trades uh, on as XLK. Uh, It's an exchange traded fund that tracks some of the biggest tech stocks. It's jumped 64% since reaching a low in March of 2020. It covers companies like Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, PayPal holdings. It it, it has a very broad broad range of tech stocks. It's got a 50-day moving average. It's actually $13 above its 200-day moving average. Uh, it's one-year gains are 45.5%. That outpaces the S&P's gains of 16.8%. So it's actually pretty, uh, pr- pretty massive in terms of the growth of technology stocks of late. So, you know, to jump right in, I'll, I'll bring in both Adam and Charles here. And, and I want to talk about three, three very, you know, well-known tech stocks that, uh, that everyone has probably either heard of or used or maybe even being invested in. Uh, and I'll first start off with, with a company that it's a software company. Uh, It's noted for its suite of products uh, for for video and photo content, uh, software used by content creators, web application developers, uh, digital media professionals. Uh, It also has expanded its offerings to digital advertising and marketing. That includes analytics, social marketing, targeting, uh, and audience management. Uh, It has a Creative Cloud platform that allows users to download its creative products at will. I actually use uh, Creative Cloud as a a, full disclosure uh, to help edit and produce this podcast, so uh, the company I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about is Adobe Inc. Uh, it trades on the Nasdaq as ADBE. That's A, and then D is a dog, B is a boy, and then E, uh, and, and that's uh, and that is Adobe uh, Adobe Inc. So first off, I'll, I'll send it over to Charles Sizemore, our, our Money Markets contributor, and get his thoughts uh, on, on Adobe. So what do you what do you think about about uh, this this photo and, and video platform software platform company?
1: See, I, I like Adobe, and it, it's because Adobe is really a, a poster child for a traditional software company. That seems like a funny comment, a traditional software company, because software as an industry really isn't that old. But uh, yeah, software transitioned from a product to a service. It wasn't that long ago that we bought software on a shrink-wrap CD. And of course, then you, you downloaded it, but it was a one-time purchase. You might upgrade it once every couple of years. And uh, it, w- it was a very lumpy revenue stream for the software developer. Well, <clears throat> Microsoft was one of the first large companies to switch to a software as a subscription model. And Adobe was not far behind them. In fact, I may be misremembering, Adobe may have actually done it before Microsoft. But I know both were, were very um, early to that trend. So the, the attractiveness of the subscription model is your, your cash flows become recurring. Rather than this be, you know, hey, I make one purchase today and then I may just stretch that out. I mean, how many of us had a version of Windows for like six years because you just didn't want to upgrade, right? Or a version of Office for six. I actually got a Word document from Adam a few years ago that was like the version of Office from like Two thousand seven, or something crazy, and I I, I gave him a hard time about that. But mm-hmm. but the, but that's how the old you know shrink wrapped you know not shrink wraps wrong word, but that's how the old software as a product model worked. The software as a service model, it's recurring revenue. It, it hits your credit card once every month, once every year, whatever. But it, it's recurring. That matters because uh, when when companies hit hard times like like today, for example, we're we're still in a recession. Uh, companies are less likely to. Put off software purchases when it's just an, an auto pay decision, when you're just doing this on autopilot, you can't really cut it, right? So um, I, I like Adobe a lot. Um, I wouldn't mind if it was a little bit cheaper. Uh, it, it's not, it, it's, it is an expensive stock. It's, it's expensive relative to its own history here, but so is everything right now, frankly. So um, I, I'd say in, in this market, Adobe's good. Okay, and uh, Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell, uh,
0: first off, welcome. Thanks for, for joining us. And uh, what are your thoughts on Adobe?
2: Yeah, I like Adobe as well. Um, I also use Adobe products. I, I kind of do photography in a little bit of free time that I have. Uh, so I use uh, Lightroom, which is a photo management system, and also Photoshop, which is for editing. So I certainly enjoy their software and it's, it's very intuitive to use, very powerful. Uh, I like that, as Charles mentioned, it did move over to, to a subscription model. Uh, All of it's cloud-based, so you can kind of seamlessly use. I have Lightroom on my phone and on my computer, and whether I'm editing photos on either one, they sync together, so it's a a seamless product. Um, One of the things I like about Adobe is that they have more recently uh, shifted uh, at least one of their divisions to uh, digital marketing, so helping people market on Instagram and Facebook and, and on the web. And uh, obviously, digital marketing is a pervasive uh, industry. It really, whether you have a brick and mortar store, you still want a digital market. Uh, or if you're totally e-commerce, you're obviously going to be digitally marketing. So, I, you know, the fact that Adobe has moved into that that arena and has a foothold there, I think, is is great for you know powering double-digit growth ahead. Uh, the other thing I like about Adobe is that, you know, Warren Buffett talks about. Uh, buying into companies that have a moat, that have a competitive advantage where they have a significant market share and it's, uh, it's highly unlikely or, or very cost intensive for a competitor to come along and do what this, what this company is doing. And I think Adobe definitely has that. I, I don't know of uh, many other companies that are doing uh, what Adobe does with the same level of expertise and, and mastery of the product and, uh, and, and a foothold in as far as market share. So I think Adobe definitely has that moat where they're gonna be kind of the top dog in this type of space for, for years to come. Um, the other the great thing about Adobe is, you know, the, and then Buffett talks about this as well, is that they are, they're price makers. So whereas commodity companies, I've, I've talked about this when I recommend gold stocks, um, I'm high on gold stocks right now because the price of gold and precious metals is going up. But in the lean years, like after gold prices crashed, from basically 2011 through this, this past year or so, um, they, they couldn't set their own price. You know, If you were selling gold, you had to take the, the market price of gold and you had to figure out how to cut costs low enough to survive. And most of the gold stocks that you know, I've been recommending have done that. Uh, and now they're really earning fatter profit margins. But basically commodity companies are price takers. They have to take the market price. Whereas a software company like Adobe, they can set their own price. If they, if they realize that there's not another competitor out there doing what they're doing, uh, and if they think that the demand, if the market will bear a price increase, then they can increase their prices pretty much as much as they want. And they obviously do this judici- judiciously. They want, to, they want volume as well. But, um, but that's one thing I like about Adobe is that they are, they're price makers. They can set their own price. They have a moat around their business. And uh, as Charles said, they are uh, rather overvalued right now. The, in, on my green zone stock ranking model, uh, they rate six out of 100 uh, on valuation. Uh, so they're not, not a cheaply priced stock right now. They're also a very large stock. So you're not going to get you know, the typical small cap type of gains out of, uh, out of an Adobe. But uh, otherwise, it rates very, very well overall. It has an 83 out of 100 uh, score on my green zone model. And uh, I definitely would be a buyer of Adobe. I'd certainly try to wait for a pullback if you want to be patient. But I think Adobe is a great name that will be around for, for years to come.
0: And I agree with both of you. I, you, know, I, I, you know, its return ons are strong. Its gross margins are great. Its net margin is fantastic, especially against the industry. Uh, you know, its sales are, are great. We talked about how, it, you know, its software as a service and, and that is just recurring income. Um, for them, I, you know, I like, uh, you know, they, they have discounts for education for students and 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 teachers, which I think is phenomenal. So it's not just one of those things where I mean they, they try to give back a little bit. They they've got a very broad array of uh, of products out there, whether it be for photo or video. They even have app development uh, software out there that you can download and help actually build your own app to then you know put on an app store. Uh, I, I just I really like Adobe. I think you know it's got it's 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 momentum is strong. It's it's been it's been up for uh, as I'm looking. It's it's been up over the last several days uh, and continues to, to, to come off of its March low strong. Um, I I just I like I like where Adobe's positioned. I think it's definitely uh, definitely a buy for me. Moving on to our uh, second company. This is a company that, that manufactures and sells uh, internet protocol-based networking product products. I know that's a very convoluted way of saying they basically just make your routers and your switches uh, for both wired and wireless internet connections. Uh, they also produce uh, qual- uh, you know, uh, products for internet security. Uh, this includes for network, cloud, and email servers. So, if you're maybe you have a, your company has an internal email server, this company may be one who's provided the internal security for that email, for that server. So, as it makes it very difficult to, to, to hack into it, it was founded in 1984. It's based in San Jose, California. Uh, this company is Cisco Systems Incorporated, trades on the NASDAQ CSCO. That's CSCO, Cisco Systems. And uh, I'll start with Charles. Charles, give me your, give me your take on Cisco.
1: You know, I'd probably take a pass on Cisco. Um, it's, it, it'll be around. It's, this is not a company that's going anywhere, but it, it ties back to what Adam was saying about commodity companies. And I know this is not a gold miner. They're not digging things out of the ground, but tech hardware effectively is a commoditized product these days. It's not hard for a cheaper competitor to do a lot of what Cisco does. That doesn't give them a lot of pricing power. Uh, at the end of the day, a lot of their a lot of their tech is 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 old tech. It's it's this is a 1990s tech stock, and their their core business hasn't really changed all that much. Uh, it is relatively cheap. It pays a decent dividend. I, I think you could do worse than buying Cisco. I just I don't see a reason for it to outperform over the next year. I, I, to me, this seems like a middling stock that's just going to give you middling returns.
0: Okay, and uh, Adam, what do you, what do you think about Cisco? I'm also a pass on Cisco. It
2: rates overall in my six-factor model as a 54 out of 100, so right smack in the middle, average. Um, it's a large company, as Charles said, it's not going away. It's a decent value. Uh, it's a it's a quality it has a quality uh, quality book, um, but as far as growth uh, metrics and momentum metrics and volatility metrics, it's very just average, middle of the road. Um, one thing I thought was interesting looking at Cisco's chart was that where most stocks were making new highs in the early 2020 prior to the middle part of February when we started catching on to the coronavirus, Um, you know, Cisco really topped out in like mid, uh, you know, in like the summer of 2019, took a really, you know, steep uh, decline in in the latter part of 2019 and early part of 2020. So it was trading well below its uh, 200-day moving average. It was in a downtrend as coronavirus came on. Uh, So it obviously took another hit during the coronavirus. And it's kind of now trading back up to around where it was before the coronavirus. But again, it's still well off its high since it made a, a much higher high in uh, 2019. So this tells me that the market's kind of shifted its attention elsewhere. It's looking at other, you know, like a, like Charles said, maybe looking away from the hardware manufacturers, which is a commoditized business, to more of the software makers or other portions of tech, maybe fintech um, but yeah, for right now, uh, you know, Cisco's not going around, going anywhere. I think that as 5G ramps up and we'll see if it can uh, can get a good piece of that business. But right now, Cisco is just so-so for me. There's really no compelling reason to buy it, either technical or fundamental.
0: Uh, and I, I agree. I, I'll pass here. What I found interesting, you know, you talk about looking at, at Cisco's chart, and I'm actually looking at it right now over here. And, and back in July, it actually had a golden cross where the 50-day moving average crossed above the 200-day moving average. But the only thing is, is that normally you expect some sort of a short-term rally at that point for the stock to go up. Cisco really didn't, and in fact, in just very short amount of time, it's actually dropped back down. So, you know, obviously, the golden cross is not a, a an absolute predictor of whether a stock is going to go up short-term or not. It's one of those that you kind of want to look at to see if a stock should move, you know, a stock should move forward. And Cisco really didn't. And I think Adam's right. I think that the the market has shifted away from uh, from Cisco and is moving on to different things. So. Uh, I, I too am a pass. I think you know, value-wise, it's not bad, um, but there's just nothing here that is screaming you know, growth and gains uh, for investors anytime soon. So uh, you know, maybe a buy and hold, but I, I just think in terms of, of, of right now, it's just not, uh, not where it needs to be to get, for me to get excited about it. Uh, our third and final company, this is, this is an interesting one. I, I, I chose it for a reason. Uh, I, I'm just very curious to hear what Adam and Charles have to say about it. Uh, It specializes in cloud infrastructure for businesses and individuals. Basically, they offer cloud products and they offer cloud space. Uh, They they have a cloud software applications that they provide. Uh, They're not necessarily more known for their cloud space as opposed to their cloud software. Uh, Cloud space is more Amazon or Google or, or Box or Dropbox or something like that. This company provides kind of that back-end infrastructure for those cloud services to be operational. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it serves uh, performance management, supply chain management, customer experience, human resources, places like that. But what made this company interesting is that just, you know, this past week, uh, the company was backed by President Donald Trump to purchase Chinese social media app TikTok. Uh, and, and that was preferential over Microsoft or Twitter or anyone else so this company has, has received that kind of I you know that that nudge from the president uh on, on where you know uh, as far as buying a, a a social media company that could soon very well be outlawed uh, in the united states uh of note the company did hit a golden cross back in june of 2020 where its 50-day average uh, crossed above its 200-day average uh for whatever you take that for just, just, just out there it was founded in 1977 based in redwood california redwood city california it is oracle corporation trades on the new york stock exchange under orcl so oracle corp and uh, charles
1: uh you know politics aside what what do you what are your thoughts on oracle it's funny oracle brings back memories for me uh, earlier part of my career i was uh like a risk like a risk manager quant guy and i used to play around on oracle databases all day and so it's it's funny i uh it, it is so it's, it's a good memory for me but uh when I look at it, I, I see uh, I see a company with a very murky uh, competitive I- environment, and I, I know that's you know their database products are fantastic, but now that they're more of a, a cloud services company, they're up against two first move. Well, you can't have two first movers. That's but, you know the first mover, Amazon Web Services, and the nipping at its heels second mover in, in, in Microsoft's Azure. So this is they have word and they had you know Larry Ellison interviewed about about the competitive threats that Oracle faces and it's funny he was extremely dismissive of some companies he looked at IBM and he just kind of laughed he's like Psh, yeah, we used they used to be a competitor they're, they're nothing now but then they asked him about uh, Amazon and Microsoft and he got real serious he said yeah they they're, they're they're legitimate they're legitimate competitors for us. So I, um, yeah, more, more broadly, I look at the the TikTok deal and I just kind of scratch my head. I don't really know what an enterprise cloud and database company is going to do with a consumer toy like that. that. That just seems like that would be destined to fail. You would Nobody at Oracle would have experience running something like that. So it would have to be just like, almost like a passive portfolio company. Uh, you know, like Berkshire Hathaway is first and foremost an insurance company at this point, but they have all of these, operating businesses that have nothing to do with insurance, right? But what happens is Buffett leaves the management team in place and he says, you guys run this. It's fine. Like, this is just a, we own you, but you guys do your own thing. We're not going to meddle. You'd have to do something like that if you're Oracle. Um, And really, Microsoft as well. Microsoft is one of the other uh, contenders for TikTok. You Look at that and like, these are not companies that would know how to manage that. You know, perhaps Facebook can manage it. Perhaps Twitter can manage it. I don't know that Twitter can even manage itself, let alone something new, but, but the, at least these are consumer-facing social media companies, right? So I look at that and I say, if you're looking at buying Oracle because you think the TikTok thing will go through, don't. Uh, even if Oracle somehow manages to buy TikTok, it's probably not going to be successful for them because they have no experience running it. So at any rate, yeah, would I buy Oracle today? Probably not. I think it's a good company. It'll be around for a long time. Uh, I just I I don't see a compelling reason to buy it today.
0: And yeah, that's one of the main reasons why I brought it up was because of the TikTok thing and how strange that marriage would be. Just because you've got a cloud company and a social media company, the two have absolutely no connection at all. Really, I mean, I, I guess you can trace back and find maybe some. Some fifth level or sixth level type of a connection, but on the front, yeah, they're just well, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, so, uh, Matt, Matt, it's all computers. It's just all computer <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, which it is not. But uh, <laughs> Adam, what are you? What are your thoughts on uh, on Oracle? Uh, I have a mixed take on Oracle.
2: Uh, it rates fairly well in my six factor model. of seventy two out of hundred, so uh, pretty well, but uh, but not not on top echelon. Uh, it gets high scores on quality. Uh, high scores on being a low volatility stock and high scores on momentum, but it is a huge stock. Uh, it's just a mediocre value as far as I see it. And its growth uh, is, is you know, about 60 out of 100. So it's not a, not really a high growth company. Uh, you know, one thing that Oracle has going for it is that it operates in this space where you know data, nowadays, there's so much more data being created in the world, more data being collected, more data being used. Uh, that's really in my opinion the main source of a competitive advantage for any company whether it's a technology company or any other company is is how to access data that other companies don't have how to analyze and interpret that data to find uh, interesting uh, solutions and interesting answers to problems that we're trying to to solve Um, you know i I attended a conference the inside etfs conference this past uh, january and uh, Vanguard's chief, global chief economist, Joe Davis, gave a presentation. And it's kind of an offshoot of, of what we're talking about now. But he, he basically had a group of researchers within Vanguard do this, this huge project called the Idea Multiplier. And the idea was that um, certain technologies are kind of compounding in the sense that, you know, the Internet wasn't a technology that just brought about web browsing. The Internet was a technology that brought about 10 or 20 or 50 other different technologies uh, out of that one out of that one technology so his research group was kind of tasked with finding you know what what new technologies now are going to 10 and 20 and 50 years in the future spawn the most other technologies how, how much will they compound and uh again it's a side side note but uh genomics the, the idea of biotech and, and focusing on gene sequencing and gene level therapies was the absolute highest um technology as far as potential being an idea multiplier the number of technologies that would come off of that but kind of as a side note what he found during that research process was that the amount of data that they had to go through uh that they had to collect and and analyze and parse out was just astronomical and to bring it back to oracle you know i think that when you talk about the cloud a lot of people think it's just a matter of storing data in a cloud you know rather than on a floppy disk or on a hard drive um, it 's just a matter of storing data in the cloud, but really I think where the competitive advantage is going to be for companies is not just in the storage of data but in the uh, in the software that allows companies to access that data and to parse out that data and to analyze it and to maybe even use AI and machine learning to kind of come up with um, interesting interpretations of the data and uh, you know, what the data is actually telling them so you know if Oracle can um, you know use its software to kind of create those solutions rather than just allowing it to be stored, then I think that they have a shot. But, but frankly, there's a couple uh, companies that I have my eye on one in particular, that's much smaller than Oracle. It's a newer company. It's um, doing some more innovative things. It's actually kind of pioneered the, the storage as a service industry. Um, so it's, it's a stock that I've recommended in my cycle nine alert uh, program uh, as a short term trade, but longer term, it's still kind of working to build up its growth rates. Actually, its growth rates are great, but it's working to kind of build up the quality of its, of its business and its value but um, but I, I would kind of look to a newer competitor rather than rather than Oracle as far as that software and data interface company
0: and'm I'm, I'm kind of the same way I think you know, Oracle's a great company let's 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 be clear here all three of these companies are good companies and we're just talking about whether as an investor you should be looking at these as potential buys uh, for your portfolio and uh, you know I, the value is is okay uh, Oracle's value is not. You know, overdone by industry standards, but it's tech, so you know the industry bar is actually pretty high in terms of valuation, and and Oracle sits kind of in that, uh, just slightly below. You know, it's got good return ons. It's uh, you know, it's it's a good long term company, but I think it's in a it's in an extremely competitive space that uh, an up and comer like Adam talked about can easily come in and and, and have a, a nice moonshot. Uh, to, to surpass Oracle and it really just kind of depends on what Oracle's business plan is moving forward um, and, and I just I don't think I just, that's just too much. that's unknown I don't, I don't think we really know where it's going or what it's going to be doing is it going to be relying just on cloud Infrastructure or does it do kind of what Adam and Charles have talked about and that is kind of branch out and use its software uh, to 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 uh, as an additional uh, as an add-on for uh, uh, you know for its clients uh, so I'm kind of a pass right now, uh, on, on Oracle. Again, I think it's a good company. I, it's, it's been a good company. It's, uh, you know, it's got strong margins. It's got strong sales and income. It's, it's, it's you know cash on hand and debt all, all very good. But, um, you know, again, I, I just, I, again, nothing to really get me excited about it. Um, tick the least of which gets me excited about anything, uh, anything like that. And TikTok wouldn't get me excited about any company that, buy it, that bought it. So, um, there's that. So just kind of recap. Uh, we discussed Adobe. Uh, trades on the NASDAQ is A-D-B-E. All three of us were pretty high on Adobe. We like uh, we like where it's going. We like uh, we like its software as a service platform. And it's kind of in that space that uh, no one's going to knock it off anytime soon. Uh, Cisco Systems. Uh, trades on the NASDAQ. CSCO. I-, I think we were all kind of a pass on Cisco. Uh, just, just, you know, there, there's not nothing that's there that, that says this this stock is uh, you know is is worth getting into right now, and then I think all three of us were, were a pass. But I, if the sentiment I get is a pass, but I, you know again it could be one of those where if you if you really wanted to get into it and 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 wanted to use it as a long term a long term buy and hold maybe, but right now it's kind of a pass. That's Oracle Corp uh, on the, on the New York Stock Exchange's ORCL. So that's gonna kind of wrap it up for uh, this edition of the Bull and the Bear podcast. Glad you all have joined us again. Just to kind of remind you. Uh, if you're listening to this on one of our, on one of the podcast channels, you can check us out on YouTube, go to youtube.com and uh, do a search for money and markets. We've got a green logo. You'll be able to find us pretty simple. Uh, go there, click subscribe and, uh, go ahead and hit the bell. I think there's a little bell that pops up if I remember right. Uh, and that allows you to get alerted each and every time we have a, a video that comes out. Doing that will get you uh, first access to those videos, uh, before we put them out on moneyandmarkets.com. Same way with the podcast. it goes, it, it goes the other way. You're going to say something, Adam.
2: Oh yeah. I just want to jump in when you're done there. Um, if we can talk about one thing that you talked about in the beginning there.
0: Yeah, sure. Go ahead.
2: Well, I just thought it was interesting for the for the listeners. Uh, you talked at the very opening of the show that the technology sector is up about 64% from the March uh, bottom. And th- that was better than any other sector. Uh, I want to piggyback by that by saying that the consumer discretionary sector, so spending on things that we don't absolutely need is right along there. It's like in second place with a 63% gain. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting because it shows that th- throughout this crisis uh, we're still buying things that we don't necessarily need and we're still using technology. Um, and, th- and then the other thing I wanted to kind of circle back to is that uh, I did a quick scan of all the individual stocks within the technology sector ETF XLK. And I was curious if either one of you could guess which of those individual stocks is up the most from that March 23rd bottom. Ooh, give us a hint. <laughs> well uh, it doesn't operate in any of the spaces that we talked about today it's actually a fintech company that just should be a good hint fintech uh, I going to
0: say PayPal but I don't think that's right
2: uh, you got it right yeah you should you should go with your gut on that one so I mean uh-huh. what, the, the point I wanted to make is that you know within technology uh, you know financial technology what's called fintech is uh, is really doing well right now I, I found it interesting that within the technology ETF XLK you have uh, PayPal, which is kind of a more obvious fintech play, but you also have MasterCard and Visa. So, you know, what the, a lot of people would think of those as financial companies, but they're actually in the technology ETF. You know, um, I, saw
0: that, I saw that and I was actually half tempted to throw those out just as a, as a point of conversation, but then I thought, yeah. I don't know if that would really detract too much, but you bring up a good point about about fintech and, and how much that's playing a role in overall technology stock.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's also the point we've made in, in in this show is it's hard to really... I mean, everything is tech now. Like even boring, you know, styled companies use tech. So tech is, is so ubiquitous now, like that the lines really are kind of hard to define.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, FinTech's definitely on a tear. Uh, PayPal's on a tear. I actually found a stock that I think is better than PayPal. Uh, PayPal's really expensive at this price. I mean, yes, it absolutely has a first mover status. It's basically... Uh, built the industry. But uh, I found a, a much smaller stock in my Green Zone Fortunes uh, service. We can probably put a link to it in the show notes. But I found basically what I'm calling the frugal man's PayPal because it trades at much, much lower valuations than PayPal. It's a much smaller company. So I think we can get uh, better gains from it being a small um, small cap stock. Uh, but it's basically doing exactly what PayPal is doing in, in some of the markets that PayPal isn't in right now. So uh, definitely check that out, but yeah, give give fintech a look because uh, you know it's not what you think of as traditional technology, but it's certainly pervasive.
0: It is frugal. you uh, just a nice way of saying a poor man's PayPal.
2: It, absolutely, <laughs>
0: <laughs> very good. So yeah, check that out, uh, and, and we will try to link to uh, uh, Adam's Green Zone Fortunes uh, in the show notes as well. So make sure you, uh, you you check that out. Again, what I was saying beforehand, uh, and that's and that was, that's a great point in terms of fintech and technology and how those two have have started to not only merge, but FinTech is now starting to take a a stronger position within the tech industry as a whole, especially in stocks. So uh, if you are listening to this uh, on, if you're watching us on YouTube, you want to check us out on a podcast, do so. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, we're getting on Amazon soon. Uh, You can do that. Same thing applies with, uh, as as YouTube, just subscribe and get notified every time we put out a podcast. You'll get those podcasts before anyone else does, before we put them on our website at moneymarkets.com. So, uh, if you do have a comment, question, concern, maybe there's something you'd like us to look at specifically, email us the Bull and Bear at moneymarkets.com. That's the Bull and Bear at Uh Stay tuned next week. We'll have uh, coming up this. We've got our, our marijuana market update. If you uh, missed that, that is also out. That is out. Our money markets week ahead will be uh, will be out here as well. We'll have the Bull and the Bear next week. Uh, you know, and and make sure you check out moneymarkets.com uh, for uh, great financial insight. Uh, you'll see kind of what's what's on the minds of myself, Charles, and, and Adam, and and uh, you'll know, kind of be, be able to pick our brains without actually having to literally pick our brains. So it's uh, it's kind of a cool way of, of, of getting that smart, uh, safe investment uh, information so that you can make the best decisions possible for, for your investments and for your money. So for uh, Money Markets Chief Investment Strategist Adam Odell and contributor Charles Sizemore, I'm Matt Clark. Until next time everyone, safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you.